All right, everybody. Welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, uh, Jesse Single. I believe that's still my name. I'm a uh, journalist and author and podcaster. Um, I co-host a, a podcast called Blocked and Reported with Katie Herzog. I have a newsletter, Single Minded, jessiesingle.substack.com. Uh, this is mostly going to be me taking your questions about whatever. I wanted to make a couple quick points. Uh, one, this is just a random thing I wrote about in my newsletter that I sort of think everyone should know about. Apropos of very little, there was some polling last week or earlier this week uh, showing that something like 14% of Americans believe in QAnon. The polling wasn't really about QAnon. It was just these sort of one of the questions was like, do you believe a cabal of pedophiles control everything? Another one was like, do you believe a huge wave of change is going to sweep the corrupt out of power? Um, uh, this made me think of a couple concepts. One is mischievous responding. This is just this phenomenon where like when you ask people questions, some subset of people just like to fuck with pollsters. And I don't think it's been like empirically confirmed, but I think intuitively it seems like the crazier the question you ask, the more they will respond mischievously. So if I ask someone, are you a Democrat or Republican, there's probably less incentive for them to answer dishonestly in a mischievous responding kind of way than if you ask them, do you think lizard men run the world? And and Scott Alexander of Slate Star Codex wrote about this back in 2013 when there was polling showing like 4% of Americans believe lizard men run everything. So he came up with this idea of the lizard men constant, uh, which is that four, at least 4% of people will respond into the affirmative in the affirmative to any crazy shit you come up with. That's both because of mischievous responding and because of just like normal polling error. So when you're looking at things like the percentage of Americans who believe in QAnon, I just think you should keep that in mind. I'm not saying it's good. There are probably a few million Americans who believe in QAnon, but I think if you just take these poll numbers out of context, you're probably overstating the influence of the conspiracy theory. I also – this is just a broader take that I think is pretty unpopular – I sort of think blanket coverage of a conspiracy theory like QAnon that is actually not that popular probably just spreads it further because you really accidentally give it some mainstream credibility as a thing that like major outlets are talking about. I can't prove this. I'm speculating. But I would just imagine that in a parallel universe where QAnon got less coverage from mainstream outlets, fewer people would uh, learn about it and believe in it. That was that. That was apropos, apropos of nothing. The only other sort of table setting um, I want to do – that might tie into what people want to talk about. It has to do with Ukraine and Russia. Maybe you've heard of them. Um, I'm surprised by the number of people I'm seeing online, and maybe you guys can correct me, and this is just a small group of crazy people, who think this has anything to do with wokeness or American culture wars. I see arguments of the forum that, like, well, in the U.S., we're so obsessed with identity and with gender and pronouns that Putin senses we're weak, and... I think that's ridiculous for a couple of reasons. One is that obviously the relationship between Russia and Ukraine goes back quite some time and includes genocide and includes the whole history of the USSR. And there's just a lot going on there um, to pin this down on, on this one culture war issue is nuts to me. And the other thing is that if, if your argument has to do with American weakness and in the fact that maybe other countries, our adversaries aren't as scared of us as they used to be and don't feel like we pose a threat to them. I don't, you, why would you pin this on wokeness versus the subprime mortgage crisis or the Iraq war or the Afghanistan war or a COVID response or Trumpism? I, I just, 
there's a certain level of brain melting going on among folks who are sort of anti-woke. And I guess I am in certain senses, although when I write about it, I try to do it in a hedged way. But I just I think some of the takes I've seen are pretty embarrassing. And it also like it's a distraction from the stuff that matters the most. Like we should want to live in a world where Russia can't invade Ukraine and can't kill a bunch of Ukrainians. This is horrible. It's heartbreaking. But if we fool ourselves by thinking this is about our own pet issues, which everyone's doing. I mean, I saw takes that this was about white supremacy, toxic masculinity, just everyone's got their pet issue. I, I just think that's a mistake. Anyway, some people in the queue. Chewy, what's up? Hello, my friend. Um, hey. I have a question that's not related to any of that. It was uh, this is probably a niche question. Um, so you put out a tweet, some tweets yesterday about that University of Washington professor who is going through just some horrendous, like, cancellation again, basically, yeah. for her stupid decision. But who cares? We all make stupid decisions. Just the, the context is in 2009, yeah. she uh, wore blackface during Halloween while dressed up as Michael Jackson. And it turns out this was a party, like, at her lab. So, like, other people mm-hmm. saw and were aware of it. And there was apparently some – sorry, I'm just filling people in real quick. There was some um, – some administrative response, but now the University of Washington, they, the medical, the cancer center she works at, sent out like an all school email. She had to resign from a couple positions. They're doing a full investigation. This is 2009, and as I pointed out, in 2012, 30 Rock was still doing blackface humor, so it's just over the top. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, totally. Thanks. That's a great context um, for folks. Um, I, my question is a sort of a broader question about how you have sort of responded in that text and, and other things in the past, which is you take it, you take it with bad faith that you assume that the people who are um, like trying to cancel this person are like doing it as basically a way to like career boostism, um, like to basically uh, put themselves ahead in the line in, instead of, I mean, to me, when I see this stuff, I'm like, no, I actually just think the people that are doing that are really convinced of the bullshit they're saying, like the the stupid shit they're saying. And um, there's been a couple times in the past where you have and, and Kay have in your podcast went up, basically taken, a, taken an assumption that it's bad faith career boostism and that they're essentially just trying to like um, uh, further their own careers through these things. And I don't... You think that they I, just I guess, real, they re, I, they really feel it? Yeah, in instead in, in they just really feel it, and they're just idiots. And and the the reason I'm asking that is like when you're making that assumption, you're you're not doing that on based on any reporting that you know of. You're just making that assumption, yeah. and so it there's a part of me that feels like like I don't know that I should take your take on that any more strongly than anything else because it's not based on sort of reporting, well, just sort of your, your, your take on it. Um, I, so, I, I mean, this is, I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, why, why, why should I believe? Yeah, no, no, I, 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 get, I get yeah. the questions. I, I think I have two responses. One is that what people feel passionately about and what's sort of expedient for them can mix in with one another. Um, yeah. yep. It can feel righteous, but then that righteousness and that sense that you're part of a group fighting injustice can, can help out your, your professional position. I don't, I don't think this is mostly like Machiavelli and scheming behind the scenes. I, right. I, I think the two melt into one another. Mm. Um, where I do think there's like a little bit of opportunism is 
this, I think if you asked most Americans of any race, the polling I saw was from 2013 and there was like yeah. this crazy black, white divide on whether, um, dressing up in blackface for Halloween is okay. I think yeah. like 60% of whites and 20% of black people said it was. So like, but if you ask people, I think if you ask most Americans, what should the punishment be? If you did this once in 2009 and you've apologized, I bet the position that someone should face like serious career ramifications would be very unpopular. Again, I'm just speculating. So I think where the opportunism comes in is there is this industry that has to take these things and make them a very big deal. So you Washington launched an investigation using an external investigator. That person makes money. They brought in DEI trainers to deal with the aftermath. That makes money. One of the two names on the note they sent out was the the head of DEI at that institution. That I, I think there's like a real market incentive yeah. to find whatever sliver of um, – sometimes it's not a sliver. There are, there are hate crimes. There are acts of bigotry. But something like this is, is much closer to stupidity than like a hate crime. And I think Yeah, but how much, how much of that is conscious versus like these people just really believing their dumb things, right? Because because when I think you bring opportunism as we're sort of into the discussion, I, I think you're implying a level of consciousness yeah. to the thing they're doing, right? That um, yeah, no. That uh, let me think about that more. I okay. I, I, I think yeah. all I can really say is I think the two are connected, and that yeah. if you run a company whose job is to help colleges work through these incidents, you're just you're incentivized to see yeah. a lot of those incidents in the same way. If you're the um. I'm not I'm not sure how conscious it was when like the FBI set up a bunch of like innocent recent immigrant Muslim schmucks, mostly, you know, and gave them weapons and gave them bomb instructions. It's just you're creating work for your own institution. But that's a good question. And it's a fair one. Cool. I appreciate that. Thanks, Jesse. Justin F. What is up? You got to hit the little mic to uh, unmute yourself. Justin F. Just enough, I will regretfully boot you, and then if you get back in the queue, I will uh, I'll bump you to the front. All right. Ray, what's up? Hey, Jesse. Thanks. Um, so I'm going to – I want to take you back a year ago, but uh, – and the reason for that is in the latest Primo episode of uh, Blocked and Reported, you talked briefly about the Unity Campfire number 16 that you did on uh, Brett's podcast and with James Lindsay. Yeah. And everybody went through why they voted for whom and um, and then y'all, you know, sort of took each other to task. So 12 months later, and I'm curious your position now, um, and it seemed to be, and I, I only watched it once and being two hours long, <laughs> I didn't take any notes, but uh, it seemed to me that one of the things that you were arguing was that James and Brett were exaggerating the dangers of the woke left should Biden and Harris get elected. Um, So we've had 12 months. Part of this is coming from the fact that uh, in my world right now, um, I just had a hellacious week as a K-12 educator uh, and union president with uh, a variety of attacks now because I I don't buy into uh, the woke left's lunacy about race essentialism, and yet a lot of my colleagues and the leadership in the union are are forging forward with this stuff. Yeah. So, so you're basically saying, do I stand by the idea that it would be worse if Trump had won? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, in short, I do. And this is 
not falsifiable unless someone comes up with like a parallel universe machine. Um, and of course, if we do develop such a machine, this would be its most important use to see if I was wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I just to me, um, the shock of Trump being elected combined with some other stuff that was going on with a mix of legitimate concerns and, and sort of craziness. That's what caused these meltdowns uh, in my neck of the woods in academia and education and in the media. And I just cannot. It's hard for me to imagine. It felt like America was at a breaking point, and right. it's hard to imagine what would have happened if Trump had won again. Absolutely. I just, I think things would have been much worse. And I, if someone yeah. had asked me during the campfire, do you think twelve months from now, you know, these these excesses in certain areas will have uh, abated? I, I wouldn't. I would have said no because I, oh, I don't. Okay. And I, I guess my overall take is it just seems like. Things are happening at different paces in different areas. Like I, I think things have gotten better in journalism. I've said that a few times now, but right. I think it really right. depends where you are. And I, I just think like you're probably in a situation where there are some very fervent people who think they're making the world a better place. I guess that conflicts yeah. with my the last call a little bit. And um, I feel bad for you. It it sucks, but I just I think it would have been much worse. I just, I'm just trying to think of like think back to what life in the States was like every day under Trump, the constant yes. parades of scandal yeah. and outrage. And, and it was always exacerbated by um, there was like this lefty media thing that would often exaggerate what was going on or distort it. There were like, the postal services under attack. It was every day. It was a new thing. Right. And um, yeah. anyway, so that's my view. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Of course, uh, Justin, I'll bump you back to the front of the queue. I hope you can hear me now. I can hear you. Hey. Great. Thanks. Uh, right. So uh, I, I guess a quick thing about what you said on Ukraine, then I want to talk about the lizard people. Yeah. Uh, so for the Ukraine thing, I, I feel I, I agree with you that I don't think the West is weak and Putin has seizing this moment. Um, but I do think that this anti-woke sentiment around uh, part of what may have been the motivation is that there isn't will to fight back because there is a sense of you know, we're the good guys anymore in the West in general. That has like become a verboten thought. And uh, that is, you know, I think underneath a lot of the woke stuff. It's not like trans rights, why Putin is invading, but the fact that people are like, you know, who is America to tell someone else what to do? Uh, why would we go to war? Uh, I think that that is part of it. But of course, that's not what you'll hear on CNN. Um, um I, well, one interesting – I was just listening to the Dispatches podcast, and they were saying that there's actually an interesting version of that on the right, uh, which is like an isolationism steeped in, well, look at us. We're, we're under the heel of the LGBT lobby, and, and there's trans kids, so who are we? we got to get our own house in order, so who are we to intervene abroad? So that's just – the horseshoe theory there is interesting. Right. I would be surprised if there was a big difference – in public opinion polling on questions like, is America a fundamentally good place? I, I think maybe within elite settings, people who don't think that have, have a little bit more power than usual. But like, I still think the average person working for the Pentagon or the state department absolutely believes that. And then the, the only other point I'd make is like, I'm not sure the idea that America is such a force for good that we should actively intervene around the world has a good track record. So if, you know, as a, 38-year-old who's, you know, the first formative political event in my life was was watching the Iraq war unfold, or, you know, as an adult at least. Um, 
I think we have some well-earned skepticism of that sentiment that like militarily we can do good in the world. Yeah, no, I, that's pretty much where I am. I, I, it seems bad. It would be great if we could stop it, but I have no faith that our intervention would make things any better, necessarily. At least, at least not uh, you know on the on boots on the ground type of intervention. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So for the people, um, I, I really liked the article. I wasn't aware of the phenomenon that you mentioned as being like a problem with polling, but obviously that makes sense because the because why fuck you attitude is kind of. A big part of my inter my like the way that I feel about interacting with people on the internet, basically, just, <laughs> yeah. from, just from the way that I grew up, and I, I'm about the same age as you, same era. Um, but when it came to this, the specific phrasing that they had there, and I'm more hoping for a gut check, and then I'll jump off. Is uh, you know, it seems like when you add in all of these extra qualifiers to the Q theory, it it's it, it's ludicrous. Baby eating Satanists, literally in control of the government and all these institutions. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the core of it, like, are there powerful people who are pedophiles that are probably involved in those institutions? That is not an unreasonable thing to believe. Uh, as long as you, like, just dial everything back by 100. And uh, I guess I'm just really hoping to get your thoughts on, like, is that an outlandish thing, do you think, to, to believe or not? And I'll leave it there. Thanks. Sure. Um I think like pretty outlandish. Well, I think the the Q theory is like the there are pedophile cabal pedophiles running the world for pedophilic reasons. I think in reality the the whole Epstein thing, uh, if by pedophile you mean people who will fly to an island to have sex with underage girls, yeah. Uh, so I think we should have understand there's some really evil people in control in some settings. I just think some of these uh, pedophiles run everything theories go several steps beyond that. Anyway, thank you for the call. Siddhartha, what's up? Hey Jesse, how you doing? Good. I, um, I had a, an experience uh, this week that I thought would be interesting to, to discuss with you. Cause it's actually like I reacted to um, a tweet that you put out and I kind of touched a third rail um, and got quite a bit of blowback. Um, so I think uh, you, you, it, it seems like, and I don't really know, I didn't follow this story that well, but there was, I think, some sort of legislative movement in Texas that uh, threatened to uh, investigate children of trans, I mean, parents of trans children. Yeah, we just recorded a segment on that. The short version is, uh, the governor and attorney general are trying to sort of do an end run. They were unable to pass legislation that would ban youth transgender care. So they basically, the AG is trying to argue, well, under our law, it's already child abuse. And Governor Abbott is trying to get uh, whatever, you know, Department of Child Services is called there to literally investigate parents who might have put their kids on puberty blockers and hormones, which is... Um, I don't like to use words like this, but it's like tyrannical because you have a situation where parent, child and doctor all agree a kid should be on some medicine, whether or not you agree with that or not. The idea of the state of Texas then coming in and taking the kid and putting them in foster care is horrific. Anyway, sorry for the. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it it certainly struck me as as quite extreme, but I did not read into it, Jesse. So I just like what the thing that I was reacting to was something you you had um, shared one of the response. I mean, it seems like you got a lot of you got a lot of attacks. um, Yeah, I was I was blamed for this decision by uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. 
at least enough on some on one corner of the internet that I was a trending topic for a little while, according to one right. friend. Yeah, right. And and at least there was you know one. I think there were several examples of of uh, tweets directed at you that that seemed quite beyond the yeah. pale. Um, like you know, like suicide encouragement. Yeah, there were emails and tweets saying I should kill myself. Yeah, to protect the yeah. trans kids. Yeah, right, right. And so this this. Um, you know, brought to mind a thought that I had quite some time ago, like uh, around around the sort of the, the the origins of Gamergate or when Gamergate sort of like emerged outside of the gamer community. I'm not a gamer myself. And uh, so like I, you know, I, I wasn't really aware of like the the battle that much. But then like it started to creep into mainstream conversation. And uh, and it seemed like, you know, on the surface, quite cut and dry. You know, it's just like, okay, there's like, there's some like, you know, rather, I guess, sort of like insignificant um, feminist critique of games, just like there's feminist critique of all kinds of media. Um, and, and there has been for years. And, and, and there may be like, just sort of like a crazy overreaction and alarmism coming out of the gamer community. At least this is the way that it was framed. And I remember seeing a, a debate um about this uh topic from two people who were involved one was uh was uh, a, a, an NFL player who was like i guess like an anti gamer gator oh chris cluey <laughs> yeah that yeah and and one was a porn star who was uh who was like pro gamer gate um and uh and the debate actually ended up being quite interesting and nuanced and what what came out is that like the way that this this uh, conflict had been framed to me is that there's like there's a good side and a bad side. Um, there's so um, and and is like kind of a simple morality play, but like what sort of came out is like at least the way that I ended up uh, perceiving this is there's certain tactics that I would say are kind of like off limits, like they they're beyond the pale, like doxing and and uh, uh, you know and threats direct threats of violence and so on. Right. And it really doesn't matter like who's doing them or who is the, who is the target or what their politics are. Like these are things that I'm not in favor of, like under, under those circumstances. So this particular like suicide encouragement that you faced, you know, I, I thought was like an example of this. Like it really doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what Jesse thinks. And you're saying people disagreed with you about that. No, I mean, I don't know if they did because they immediately sort of like lumped me in um, with, you know, your view of trans, which, uh, you know, which I'm not too familiar with. It's not really an issue that I have delved as deep as you have into it. Right. But uh, so but, you know, I was immediately called a whole slew of names like uh, like, uh, you know, a lying scum and a genocide dare. And, uh, and like, uh, you know, like all kinds of like, like very, it's Twitter. very heavy. T- it's Twitter. Yeah. It's right. horrible, and, and yeah. so I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, play the victim here because like, you know, whatever it was, it was, it was quite, you know, I'm fine. It was quite minor, but I mean, I think it's an example of the kind of things that happen. Yeah. And it's really like, to me, it's like, it doesn't matter who's doing it or who the target is. Like, I wish we could get beyond it, but I think I had an experience here because it, it ended up that like one of these people that was, that was, uh, that I was engaging with was, I, I, it was an anonymous account, but it seemed like that, that they were themselves uh, trans and uh, a trans minor. 
and 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 they asked me some direct questions uh, about like you know um like should 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 uh, if i say i'm trans does that mean i'm trans and if if i say i'm trans does that mean that i should get um trans medical care yeah so it forced me into thinking about these things you know again i like i haven't given that these issues much thought but i tried to answer in a reasonable and responsible way meaning like okay if if you say you're trans it's no business of mine like yeah. as far as i'm concerned if you say so that's who you are Right. And it's it really is like not me to define you. And then with regards to the to the medical medical care, I mean, I don't I don't I don't advocate denying anybody medical care. Um, And that includes, you know, trans people, trans minors. I have some concerns about how medical interventions are sort of um, um, like when when medical interventions are are given, but, but yeah, but these are very this, Jesse, like yeah. it's it's not my body, you know. Like I right. I feel like there's a limitation to what I can say. Like you know, I'm not here. I'm not interested in preventing anyone from puberty blockers or from from uh, surgeries, right? Uh, trans uh, affirming surgeries. I'm not interested in doing that. I just have concerns in the way that some if somebody says, look, I identify as blind and I want my doctor to remove my eyes. Minor or adults, I think that there are some some ethical questions that we should be investigating, right? And that, so, that, anyway, this is like the extent of my opinion on this. Yeah. But like, um, and I'm sorry for taking so much time, but I, I wanted to explain this. Um, what what I found really heartbreaking about this person and their reaction was forget about the insults to me. Like, I I felt like sincere pain. Um, in, in, and, and that was like, th- that was driving the need to sort of label me and you as kind of devils. No, that, I mean, that's what sucks about it. And, and sometimes I've, I've obviously a tortured relationship with Twitter to say the least. And I vacillate between wanting to leave it. And then sometimes I respond to trolls, which is a bad idea, but there've been times where I've had like back and forth with like really abusive seeming people. And then I look at their profile and it is probably a 17 year old with mental health issues, like based yeah. on what their own profile says. They'll sometimes list the mental health afflictions they think they have. And it's just sort of debasing for everyone involved. And, and um, that's why I try to have empathy. I don't particularly have empathy for people who tell me to kill themselves. And I did try to like draw a red light on that, but I think the point you're making, I do want to get to the next caller, but I think the point you're making about this stuff often being driven by pain is valuable. I think it's sometimes driven by pain and it's sometimes driven by sadism because I think uh, Twitter slacktivism attracts sadistic people, but obviously pain and sadism feed off one another. Yeah. I, I could just say one more thing, Justin. Sure. The, the, this, the tragedy I felt about this is that I, I was trying to explain to this person, uh, if you have a problem with the status quo, you need allies in order yeah. to build power, in order to change policy. Now, right. this person reacted like, okay, I don't need you and I don't need Jesse and I don't need like all you, you know, Genesee dares and so on, right? And, but, but my point is, okay, it doesn't need to be me, but there are going to be people who are either unaware yeah. or... Yeah, and uh, There's, or, no, or, there's basically know, no polling suggesting that... Um, it's a done deal suggesting like some big majority of Americans agree with like youth gender care. And it could be 10 or 15 years from now. We think differently, but there has to be 
some extent to which you're willing to engage with like normies if you're going to talk about this stuff. Indeed. And, and that's the part that I felt like that, that was, that was the, it was doubly sad, the tragedy. Yeah. Like one is the pain that is fueling this. And two is like the inability to reach out and explain and convince um, instead of, of using all of this incendiary language. Anyway, yep. thanks for Thank giving you, me the time, Justin. Good call. Hello, uh, Pongo 2. Not to be confused with Pongo 1. Pongo 2. you got to hit the unmute button. Otherwise, I'll boot you. But then if you come back in, I'll bump you to the front. There we go. Uh, you just you remuted yourself. Can you hear me? Sorry, can you hear me? Yep. Testing. Yep. Uh, yeah, hi, sorry. First time using the app. I just downloaded it, actually. Um, Welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I guess first just um, I, I saw the whole thing about the uh, Texas Attorney General just explode out of nowhere last week, and it like it took me forever to figure out what it was even about. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I know you've been through a ton of these at this point, but um, I've been on, like, the receiving end of all that shit on blast on social media before, so just <laughs> to let you know that to any, like, any observer coming in from outside, it's like impossible to tell like what people are What's talking about. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> for that shit or... Yeah. Anyway, so just props there. Um, I did want to ask about, so I realized the trucker thing is kind of winding down and uh, we've got like an actual war to distract us now, but um, uh, yeah. So coming from Canada and uh, one thing I thought was like missing from like, er like it, it was it was like the rare piece of Canadian news that people noticed south of the border. But um, I feel like there's like this really important piece of context that everyone was missing about that, which was uh, two years ago, basically right before the pandemic broke out. Were you aware of like the Wet'suwet'en um, pipeline protest? Yeah, um, vaguely. But like, like you're saying, most Canadian <laughs> news does not get down to us. Right, I knew there was right. a fight over a pipeline. Yeah. So yeah, what it was was basically like as briefly as I can. So it, it's a it's a it's a native band in um, northern British Columbia, uh, right along the coast. Actually, I don't think it, it's a little ways from the coast, but basically there was plans for like an LNG pipeline to go through there. Um, the plans had been worked out. Like the band councils in Canada have a certain amount of like political autonomy, and it was uh, divided authority between the um, like they, there's an elected band council and an, and a hereditary band council. Um, and basically what happened was the elected band council had agreed to this, taken the initiative on it and like actually promoted the pipeline. It had won as like the single issue within that ballot, within that band's like election, uh, before it. So it, it had like all the de democratic legitimacy within the band that it could have asked for, but the elect, but the hereditary chiefs didn't like it. So they threw up a blockade of it. And when that blockade was broken up after a court order by the RCMP, there was basically that got publicized and then there was basically a mass protest across various parts of the country with people all over basically throwing up blockades of rail lines blocking like the canadian pacific railway which is essentially like the main logistical connection between eastern and western canada right. um anyway in terms of economic damage it was it didn't directly affect the U.S.-Canadian border crossing, which is probably why it didn't raise to, rise to the same level. But in terms of economic damage, it was at least on the same scale as these ones. Um, and Trudeau's response to that, uh, the Trudeau government's response to that, was essentially like um, saying straight, straight out that anybody who 
who supported like uh, anybody who proposed like using the police to break them up was like uh, beyond the pale, clearly like a racist or an authoritarian. Then yeah. Trump and uh, and like basically just begging for them to come to the table for like almost a month and offering them anything they wanted in order to stop doing it. And um, so I think from a Canadian perspective, understanding the Trump, the, like the, these trucker protests, which the record, I think were stupid. I think their goals were stupid. I think the tactics were stupid. Um, I think they should have been broken up much earlier. I don't think there was any good reason for invoking the emergency act in order to do it. Yeah. But um, that's from a Canadian perspective, that's always lurking in the background when we're considering this, because it's essentially just a clear case of like, you know, rule of law, no rule of law for one side, no enforcement for like when the same exact thing is done for a cause that is superficially like a left wing or identitarian or like pro, I don't know, social justice cause. Although when you get into the issues, it turns out it's mostly a protest on behalf of the divine right of kings and against the democratic rights of Native <laughs> Americans. Right. Um, but, you know, ex- exceeding the, exceeding like the, the normal rule of law when it's from, you know, the, the people who are opposed to, you know, yeah, we, we uh, unfortunately have had, I think, some – it's really complicated because it's not like we've had, like, equally destructive left and right-wing protests. Like, our worst right-wing one was January 6th, and the left-wing ones were sort of spread out for a while in 2020. Probably worst in Portland and Cano- – well, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'm trying to agree with you. I'm, uh, <laughs> but I, I think I <laughs> – I wish we could have more conversations about like what our actual principles are and like what amount of protest is too much at what point the police should intervene. I think most people probably think, you know, if there's a spontaneous protest and the street is blocked for a few hours, so be it. I don't think anyone but an authoritarian would think like the police should immediately roll in and crack heads. But there are going to be situations where there's like much longer term, more disruptive and more destructive protests. And I think you're right that people are completely inconsistent on, on what they think the law enforcement response should be, which I don't know. It, it makes it hard to take people seriously when they um, try to get morally righteous about this. Yeah. And I, I know that it's easy to catastrophize about this, but it is sort of like a side effect of, you know, breakdown in what we might call like liberal norms. Right. Because it yeah. leaves you with really no standard for what the like or and no like it, it leaves you forgetting why you would need a standard for anything like a neutral arbitration, right? Yeah. If, if it's just a, if, if, if your rule of law, if your uh, like free speech or whatever is just a mask for white supremacy, then you're and left with nothing it. besides like, you know, if, if the, if the people are, if the people, you know, sabotaging train tracks or protesting for social justice, then we should be out there sabotaging train tracks with them. And if the people, Talking their horns in downtown Ottawa are doing it for white supremacy. Well, we should just shoot them, right? Yeah. Like, if, not... you're, if you're throwing out liberal norms, then there's no way of there's no way of evaluating that. It just becomes a struggle between you know who has the more power. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I appreciate that 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 recent Canada history. Uh, thank you. Yeah. All right. I think I appreciate it. Uh, I think I only got time for two more calls. We'll do Dave and Buster and Andrew. Sorry to everyone else, but I'll be doing another one of these soon. Dave and Buster, what's up? Yep. Uh, hey, Jess, uh, Jesse. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And just want to do a reference from my last call. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I was kind of curious about like the whole drama, but you kind of gave uh, on Twitter. You kind of gave a synopsis about the whole what's going on with Texas. Cause I had no idea what was going on yeah. and it just seemed, you seemed to, yeah, it looks like you got pretty brigaded and I was just trying to get the context for that. 
I saw that you brought up um, uh, Sweden. I guess that they are they're taking a more they're changing their standards of care to be have more therapy involved or something. I yeah. wasn't sure. Is that like the general trend compared to other countries outside the U.S.? I wasn't sure. I know there's obviously countries with more conservative uh, views on affirmative care, uh, but I wasn't sure if that's like uh, how we how the U.S. ranks compared to these other countries. Yeah. So the general. I mean, this is. I really wish mainstream outlets that sort of cover the youth gender fight in a blanket way would pay attention to this. Cause I think it's important. Um, Finland and now Sweden have both simo- like seriously changed their systems. Um, uh, I'm just going to mute you for a sec because there's mic noise, uh, and then I'll. I'll about that. No worries. Um, they've both basically said that in light of the paltry evidence for puberty blockers and hormones, we're going to really restrict how often we use. Um, this medicine that happened in Finland a day before all this stuff from the AG's office broke on Twitter, Sweden had a similar announcement. So Finland and Sweden are both seriously backing off from using blockers and hormones in the UK. It's a little bit more complicated at first, the high court issued a ruling that would have severely restricted them, but then that was knocked down on appeal. But even in the appeal, the judges were like, you know, you got to be careful about this. If you're a medical provider, you could be liable for, bad stuff that happens. Um, and I should add that the Sweden case was motivated, I think in part by like a pretty major scandal at Karolinska hospital there where kids on puberty blockers had really serious side effects, including suicidality. And there was a 13 year old, I think it was who, um, basically had osteoporosis or something like that at age 13 from blockers and was on them for four years, which you're not supposed to be just like really crazy and negligent, uh, stuff. So, um, yeah, is that sort of what you were asking about? Uh, yeah, uh, that was pretty much the gist of it. I wasn't sure what uh, what the frame of reference for some of the, the people, uh, trans advocates, or whatever the, the however they would identify, uh, what their frame of reference as the ideal benchmark. I've just heard uh, pe- uh, people online complaining that the UK is transphobic, yeah. and I'm guessing that there, I'm suspecting that there might be a language barrier. Uh, for like the non-Anglosphere countries like uh, Sweden and yeah, I wasn't sure if it was just because of language barrier. We don't necessarily pay attention to those countries. So I wasn't sure. Uh, you mean uh, why, why those decisions haven't gotten more attention? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's a fair question. One is they're, they're small countries. I do. I mean, Finland and Sweden both have huge numbers of English speakers, but um I, I do think even though coverage of this has gotten better, especially in like the Post and the Times, there's a little bit of an aversion to covering this as a scientific controversy, and that's what it is at the moment. But um, I mean, obviously, this is a self-serving argument, but like, if if you're mad about this stuff, I don't understand why you would tweet at me instead of the major government bodies that seem to be taking a harder line stance on it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was my general question. Yeah, I was just surprised, like how how many people you got brigaded brigaded you on Twitter. I was kind of surprised you didn't get brigaded in the call in at all. I'm, I've had thing. trouble getting brigaded in here. I, I've tried to like draw in my critics. They often don't seem to want to um, talk about this stuff, which is okay. But of course, this is a similarly self serving argument. But I think a lot of them haven't really thought through their positions, and it's easier for them to like 
drive by dunk on me on Twitter than talk about stuff. But maybe that'll yeah, change. Yeah, uh, that was my la- that was my the question I had about that. Um, one quick question, then I'll let you go. Uh, I you talked about since we're on the culture war trend. Did you see uh, John Oliver's uh, Sarti episode? He talked broadly about like just how the the laws are terrible around it. And uh, though he did dis- uh, make a uh, distinguishing comment talking about some of the trainings, some of the trainings, I guess, uh, cases were really bizarre, and even he conceded that. So oh, that's good. Very brief. I mean, yeah, I very did... brief acknowledgement. But, gotcha. Yeah. No, I didn't see that, but I'm, I'm glad that people at least realized that trainings are bad, because I think that's what sparked a lot of this anger. And I don't care if the people who give those trainings give out, go out of business, uh, but I also think the laws are bad. Anyway, thank you yeah. for the call. Andrew, you will be the last caller. I apologize, you're sorry, but I'll get you at the front next time. Just remind me. Hey, Jesse. Hey. Uh, hope you're doing well after all yeah. that for gaining. Oh, it's oh, fine. Good. All right. So I had a question um, about lizard man's constant. Yes. So would there be like a negative lizard man's constant where people secretly believe in lizard man but are afraid to tell a pollster that they believe in lizard man? That's would funny. That <laughs> that's uh yeah that's social desirability bias is when you won't yeah. tell a pollster yeah i should actually uh, that's that's funny i should have factored that in there's that and yeah. there's um i think in the states it's called the bradley effect i forget who coined it but that's like basically people answer questions in a less racist way than they are yeah uh yeah there's there uh, i guess we just got to figure out whether the lizard man effect could counteract social desirability bias right right so um I think I, I, I mentioned this once before, and I just like to say it just because everyone gets so serious about all this stuff. And uh, I, I think the number of people who actionably believe crazy things is just so much lower than it appears even at protests. If you ask them if they believe something, the answer is almost always yes. Yeah. But if they actionably believe it, the answer is almost always no. Like my, my stepfather was Micronesian, and he also loved Hitler. But he didn't actionably love Hitler. He just said <laughs> it really to make people mad. And then oh he my convinced God. himself that he did just to be a better troll. Jesus. He would so, he would come out pro-Hitler just to troll people? Uh, yeah, I mean, one time, I, I mean, honestly, it's I, this is where I just think you have to factor in how complicated human nature is. And I, yeah. I, I, I say this in part because it makes me feel better about humanity, and I think that may be something that you would profit from right now. But uh, he got into an argument with my mother um, about where the label goes on a ham, whether it was on the round part or the flat part of a ham. And it escalated, and he called her Hitler. But then he ate something, and he decided he didn't want to argue anymore. And then he said something nice about Hitler because he wanted to say, no, that wasn't an insult. He was actually, like, a really great tactician. <laughs> and, then, and then it just sort of, like, kept going because, you know, of Google and whatever. And I just always like to think about that whenever I see someone acting, you know, totally insane in some context. Um, no, it's, it's useful. There is also people should check out um, a – uh, what's it called? Oh, yeah. Mike Pesca interviewed Brendan Nyhan, who's a political scientist, and he talked about how a lot of the polling showing that like X percentage of Americans think that it's time to inflict political violence on the other side. If you frame the question slightly differently, or if you ask them follow up questions, that percentage plummets. So I think that's probably what you're okay. talking about. And I think yeah. that distinction between like professed beliefs and actionable beliefs is really important. And yeah, probably people are less crazy than they seem. Yeah, um, I just I always wonder why people take a poll seriously because I, I just I don't know I, I remember in a, 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 um, I can't remember what it's precisely called but when you when you said something about like prankster responses 
I mean, so I came from a town, as you can imagine, based on the story I just told you, um, that's just really economically just depressed. Um, like it's consistently in the top 10 worst places to live in America. And we used to get these tests that would just ask us questions that we all, even as like high schoolers perceived as insulting. Um, like, you know, have you ever like, basically done all sorts of weird, bizarre sexual things and weird, bizarre drug things. Oh, yeah, mischievous responding among adolescents is, like, really bad, yeah. Well, I remember we figured out, like, we looked at it and we go, oh, this is what they're trying to prove to say that we're all bad. And then we also looked a step further and said, okay, and here's all the questions they're asking us to see if we're just going to say that we're all bad. Yeah. One was about something called Dervisol. And it's like, what's Dervisol? And like nobody knew what it was like. It's like I bet they're asking that just to make sure that we're not giving fake responses. And then we all shared that amongst each other, and then answered all the questions in the worst way possible. <laughs> if um, you um, if you wouldn't, if you want, uh, and you wouldn't mind sending me an email with that story, I'd love to put it in my newsletter. I don't need to use your name or anything, and you don't, no pressure. Okay. But I would definitely put that in my next newsletter, or come, upcoming one, if you want to send it to me. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Anyway, just I, I I always just like to think about the funny chaotic parts of life because it it helps uh, the humans helps are weird. We're lessons. not all yes. bad. We're weird though. Yes, we are all weird, but we're not all bad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Andrew. Yeah, it, email me if you want. No pressure, but I'll, I would love to read about that. Absolutely. Thanks, man. All right, everyone. Uh, that is it. I hope you have a good Saturday night. As always, if you appreciate what I'm doing here, please spread the word. Uh, we're going to have more guests soon, more conversations. But yeah, tell people to join up, to follow me. Uh, you can always feel free to reach out to me with your suggestions for guests or subjects. And that's it. Have a good night. Bye.